This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. I'm Coach Jen from Ocala, Florida, and you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for Friday, June 17th, episode 2955. This episode is brought to you today by Kentucky Performance Products. Good morning, horse world! Well, you guessed it, the Horses in the Morning crew is out and about this week, gathering intel for upcoming episodes, so tuck in your earbuds for this fun-filled mashup from previously aired episodes featuring... World-renowned dog trainer Victoria Stillwell, you might remember her from It's Me or the Dog, creator of the Blue Horses, sculptor Jim Dolan, also a cowboy, and Mogi Bearden-Muller, listener and auditor, also cross-country course designer, gives us her take on how cross-country courses become what they are. And as usual, we will kick the weekend off with really bad ads. I can't take it anymore! Thank God it's Friday! I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Work all week so that we can eat and own a little piece of God's grass. Um, so now we're going to talk to a guest that we have coming up. You've all seen the pictures of the blue horse sculptures in the field in Montana. They went viral. There are 39 of the metal sculptures that look as natural as a group of wild horses out there in the field. And on with us today, we have the sculptor of those horses, Jim Dolan. Hi, Jim. Welcome to the show. We're so glad to have you on. Well, thank you for inviting me. Are you in Montana now? live near Bozeman, Montana. It's like about 60 miles north of Yellowstone. If you, everybody knows where Yellowstone is. Yep. Yep. And we know where Bozeman is, too. A lot of horses up that way. So, Oh, yeah. There's quite a few. So, obviously, you're a sculptor, but are you also a horse guy? Were you always a horse guy? Um, I had to about 10 years ago. My family had had a ranch, and we had used horses quite a My I have a little 10-acre place now, and my kids grew up and left one off of college, and all the horses grew old where I gave them away. So right now, I have no live horses on my place. Oh, I, no, live. no live ones. <laughs> he has metal ones, but no live ones. So yeah, A lot of metal. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jim, when did the sculpting thing start? Uh, back in the uh, 60s. Next year's my 50th year full-time as a sculptor. Oh, wow. And I end up, I went to school in agriculture in college, master's in ag. I decided I wanted to be a, a sculptor more than I wanted to go back to the ranch or work for the USDA. So um, it's been a fun, fun year. It's my 50th year coming up, so and full, full-time. You've done hundreds of sculptures, right? I mean, large ones and small ones uh, and all kinds. Yeah, probably close to thousands. <laughs> <laughs> is it all metal, or do you I, work I, in other mediums too? No, uh, I'm mostly metal. I've done some some with uh, fiberglass and a few other pieces, but my my main thing is is steel and stainless steel. So and I make some big ones. I've I've done so I guess some pieces over in Japan that were 
um, eagles that were 27 feet tall with 36 wow. foot wingspans. How do you put that on an airplane? <laughs> well, you know, you know that seven forty seven takes a space shuttle back to Florida from Texas. Uh-huh. I put on top of the seven forty seven containerized boxes, and then wow. shift over by by ship. Then I reassemble it, and okay. I always hope I didn't make two left wings. <laughs> make sure put an engine there. on that sucker. <laughs> yeah, Jeez, just yeah. fly it over. Fly it on over. <laughs> Jim, I have to ask you before we get to the whole her sculptures. Sure. What's the most unusual sculpture you were asked to do, or weirdest, or just you couldn't believe it? I I took a couple of motorcycles apart and made this uh, 1300cc Yamaha Honda, two engines. And it's got forks out the front. And I put a six foot tall orangutan on this. <laughs> I have him pulling, pulling a wheelie, giving you the peace sign with a big American flag out the top of him. And that's the entrance to my, to my place on my road where I live. So, I, I tell people that, that you, you see the first orangutan you pull in there. If you've seen the second orangutan, you've been smoking something. <laughs> <laughs> Well, now, where did the whole idea of doing? By the way, uh, the you know the pictures of your of, of these blue horses, the sculptures you did there in Montana, just went viral. That's where I saw it. I, this was shared thousands of times. Um, so, where did the idea to do this whole herd of horses come from? Well, I always yeah, I've been a horses since the sixties, and I. I always wanted to give a, a big piece back to the people of Montana who basically supported I mean, Montana is almost the size of California, but we only, we have less than a million people. But so for an artist to make it, you know, a lot of it has to come from your home state. It was, it was my gifts, my thank yous to the people for, uh, for supporting me for 45 years. You, you did 39 of these things and they ain't small either. No, the, the big ones are like 17 hands high. And, um, it's, and about a third of them move with the wind. I have them on bearings so their heads go back and forth. Cool. And then all the horses have poly, black poly rope for manes and tail. And they, they flow with the wind pretty well. And, and that will last a long time, but we get pretty good winds up here. So it's, it's fun because they do move um, when we get a wind. Do you have them staked to the ground? I was wondering why they just don't fall over. Yeah, we took uh, some jackhammers up and drove some big, big stakes in the ground and then welded them to the, to the bases of the, of the horses. And then um, they're pretty much solid. I mean, wind's not going to take them down, but... Uh, you know, it, it's uh, it's right alongside a, a highway, and you know, it's it belongs. I I gave them to the people of Montana, so everybody that basically has taken ownership, and um, people can walk up there and see the horses. And you know, we have to keep your eye open. I there are rattlesnakes, so you have to, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's it's in some rugged terrain. I can't imagine that moving all of these up there was any easy feat because it is a very rocky ground. You know, there's one horse that's laying down. I I feel like you should have put a pillow under it or something. I mean, sleeping (laughs) on the rocks. But I mean, this is this is no easy feat. I have to ask because I look at them 
and and for metal sculptures that are painted they just look so real just the expression on these horses faces and the manes and tails what are the manes and tails made out of they look so luxurious they're actually rope on unraveled rope of a polyester rope which will last a long time anywhere but but so and i make them pretty long so a lot of them are three foot long so if they catch any little bit of wind, they'll show movement. Mm-hmm. And what's funny, these are uh, actually about 80 yards off the highway up on a hill. And I couldn't, the highway department wouldn't move the road closer to the horses. So I <laughs> put them where I put them. You know, I, I asked, but they just said, no, and that's, that's not going to happen. So I, I put them there. And, and actually, we get, because the horses are lean and they're, they're long-legged. And I may have, I did that on purpose, uh, almost like, um, you know, like the, just lean horses. Cause most of Montana, you know, we have like seven reservations. I, I want them to look more like, like native horses who are, uh, they're, they're not, they're not, they're, they're on the thin side, put it that way. Yeah. They don't overfeed their horses. So you always, you always <laughs> can count ribs on most, most native horses and that they're not, not mistreated they're just you know thin so we have people call the sheriff here once in a while especially somebody's not from here and say somebody's mistreating these horses we're starving (laughs) up on this hillside oh my gosh are you serious yeah and it's 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 pretty funny i mean it's not funny for people call in the sheriff has to explain it and some of them actually argue with them say no no we've seen them they're they're really thin (laughs) they're moving around up there i saw the hair blowing in the breeze Yeah. You know, I saw pictures from the road. God, these things must be photographed every day a hundred times. Um, I saw pictures from the road, and from the distance, they do look like real horses. Now, they're blue, but from the distance, you kind of don't see that. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it's yeah. it's funny. Uh, well, I, I had to keep it an art piece, too. So, you know, I made them all blue, you know, so in the tails and manes are black and the legs are black, you know, from knees down. And there's no white socks on them or anything. I, I want them all just to be this more of an art project with horses. And so that's that's kind of uh, how I did them. And they're so awesome. So how I'm long did it take you to thing. make 39 horses in a metal? <laughs> <laughs> well, it took you about two years in my studio. And I have a big, I have a big 4,000 square foot studio with 30 foot ceilings and overhead cranes and forklift and and I did have full-time help till last spring. And then finally he decided that the winters in Montana were too tough. And he left and went to Arizona. So God I have love a him. part-time college student that comes in and works with me. And, and, um, we've got, you know, the, the economy's good. So art's good. And it kind of follows that, you know, when the economy gets really bad, then we're out, you know, hunting coyotes, not <laughs> to, for the hides to sell, but for the meat, you know, <laughs> You're starving to death. <laughs> starving to death. <laughs> well, I, but did, it, the horses were really fun. They were just you know, these. At one time, I had all thirty-nine in my studio towards the end, and they're all facing towards the center like a big horseshoe. Oh, and I cool. usually start at six in the morning, so I came in with my bowl of oatmeal. I looked at all these horses, and they're all looking back at me. And I asked them, went around and put every nose in my bowl of oatmeal. 
<laughs> You're such a gamer. I'm a, I'm a lawyer. I could be a lawyer eccentric, you know. <laughs> Did you ever? Um, so, my family yeah. says I'm really eccentric. <laughs> <laughs> so is this land yours? Is this state land? How well, did you decide to put it, it right is, here? One of my friends has, you know, quite a bit of acreage out there, and we talked about where to put them. And he says, "Well, look at look up my place here in the and worked perfect and and basically." Uh, you know, the land still in his name and we didn't give that to the state of Montana or anything. And the horses I gave the people of Montana. So basically it's an honor system between he and I and the people of Montana. It's awesome. If you give them to the state, then you do all kinds of different regulations. Yeah. You know, then they got to maintain them and, and the state has their own problems. They don't need to try to maintain sculpture. So I go up, you know, usually in the summer, once every couple of weeks and straighten mains out and, Maybe touch up some blue paint, and you know, and 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 we get people that walk up and see them, and, and there's a lot of pictures taken. A lot of people for their um, for their wedding pictures go up there and take pictures. Oh wow, yeah, this is very with cool. The horses in the background. Did you ever imagine fifty years ago, you know, when you were in high school, that you'd be a sculptor for a living and do pretty well at it? No. I mean, I went to school. I, I was going to be go back to a ranch and be a cowboy. That's what I wanted to do. But then I started doing the sculpting in, in high school, then in college. And I had a really good teacher, welding teacher in college. And I decided this sounds like a lot more fun than, you know, than working for the USDA or going back to the ranch. Yeah, so I just <laughs> kept on. Yeah, on with a, a warm studio sure beats uh, wrangling cows in three feet of snow. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, this is right great. Now we've, you, you guys probably have more snow than we do right now. No, I'm in Florida. in Florida. I'm in Florida. We don't have much snow. Oh, you're no. in Florida. Okay, <laughs> yeah, no, no. I mean, we probably have more snow. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was Maryland here. So. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Jim. This has been great. Uh, it's blue, B-L-E-U, horses.com. If you want to see all the pictures and go to the website, I'm sure most of most of our, all of our listeners are horse people. They've seen these pictures across their Facebook feed, I'm sure. But congratulations on doing something good for the state. Well, and thank you. And uh, great work. Awesome. This is really cool. So beautiful. This Nutrition Minute is brought to you by Kentucky Performance Products, the company that simplifies your search for research-proven nutritional supplements at kppusa.com. The horse that matters to you matters to Kentucky Performance Products. Managing horses can be challenging. Each horse's personality affects the way he behaves and reacts to the world around him. Horses with certain dispositions can be at higher risk for developing health problems than others. High-strung or excitable horses are easily stressed, but so is the timid, quiet warrior. Stressed horses are more likely to develop digestive upsets that lead to colic, diarrhea, and ulcers. Nalox Advanced was specifically developed to support a digestive tract that is under stress. It sustains proper pH levels, reducing the incidence of ulcers and hindgut imbalances, while simultaneously supporting the healing of damaged tissues. Nalox Advanced supports the complete digestion of starches and sugars and sustains populations of beneficial bacteria. Make life a little easier on your sensitive horse and start him on Nalox Advanced today. To learn more about the ingredients in Nalox Advanced, visit Kentucky Performance Products at kppusa.com. I would like to introduce you guys.
guys, I'm, I say introduce, but everybody knows who she is. She's born and raised in England. Victoria is the world's most recognized and one of, of the most respected dog trainers. And she's also best known for her role as the host of the Animal Planet hit TV series, It's Me or the Dog. Good morning, Victoria. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so much for being a part of Horses in the Morning, but I should say Dogs in the Morning because our whole entire show is dedicated to the dog. And so many people in the horse world have dogs, barn dogs, inside dogs, outside dogs, that it just seemed appropriate to do an entire show dedicated to, you know, the equine and equestrian partner, the dog. So, um, you know, first of all, how are things going? They are going very well. Um, I just finished uh, filming my third season, third American season. I've done seven seasons of the show overall, four in Britain and then three here. And uh, it's now being aired on Animal Planet um, on Saturday nights at 8 o'clock. So it's doing really well. The first two episodes have just aired, so we've got another 10 to go. And I'm not kidding you. You cannot turn on Animal Planet without seeing a rerun or a segment or a promo with you in it. But I have to ask, now that you've spent three seasons with Americans and seven seasons with the Brits, who are the worst dog owners, Brits or Americans? Hey, you know what? I I think they're pretty much the same. Um, You know, the dog problems are the same wherever. And... um, Yes, I think both Britain and America are just huge dog-loving nations. But um, And dog ownership is becoming even more popular and more and more homes are getting pets. But because I think of the, the more and more people are working and pets spend a long time by themselves during the day, that there's more problems. Right. Um, now... Uh, you just heard me talking a little bit about it. I, I just got two new puppies, my husband and I, and fortunately we live on a farm. We figured it was the best time to get puppies. We couldn't decide between the male and the female, so we got both. And is it, is it a good idea to get litter mates? You know, I would say uh, um, sometimes yes, sometimes no. And um, The fact that you've got different sexes is good. If you yeah. got two females, I would be worried for the future because two uh, female siblings can um, can fight, can have a tendency to disagree, as do human siblings. And so, but to have a male and female, I think is a, is a much better idea. And again, it's the way they're brought up too. It's the way that they're handled and brought up. So if they're handled and brought up in the right way. And if you live on a farm and they have plenty of exercise and um, plenty of, of social experience, too, um, then you, you're going to have no problem. So when you say they're handled in the right way, what is the best way to handle? Well, I think it's, it's early socialization is really, really important. I would say it's the number one thing for puppies. And um, the problems happen when people don't socialize. So... If you live in a place where you don't get a lot of visitors or there aren't a lot of cars that go past, you have to make sure that you take your puppies to the town, to the village, to meet all kinds of different people, to go in all different kinds of environments so that nothing is new to them. But you also don't want to overload them too, so you do it very gently and so that they have pleasant experiences experiences in a whole load of different environments with a whole load of different people and because what happens if puppies don't get that experience really 
by the time they're 16 weeks old, they can um, pretty much, that, that's the sort of time when the door closes with regards to socialization. So that's why I say it's really, really important. Victoria, you said right. that, um, that two little girls will have problems, may have problems, not, not guaranteed, but they, they may have problems if she had gotten two little girl puppies. What about two little boy puppies? Do they have the same issues or, or, or are we better off? <laughs> slightly better off, I'd say. But, um, you know, similar, similar thing could happen. Interbitch rivalry is probably the most vicious. Um, but still, they, they can be fighting with male siblings. And they can be fighting between two male dogs that aren't siblings. And if you think about it, these dogs are all, are all living together. So there are going to be fights and disagreements and jealousies and, and uh, exactly, I have to say, like humans. Well, that makes so sense, when, I guess. yeah. Yeah, and, and that kind of leads me to my next question is the so socialization issues. How do you introduce new puppies to your old puppies? So many people have older dogs or dogs they've had for a long time, and, you know, they want to get a puppy to kind of revitalize the house or, or bring their youth into, you know, and, and, and try to get the older dogs a little more excited. What is the best way to do that, or do you not recommend it? Uh, well, no, I mean, I, I do. But if you've got a very, very old dog, then you've got to realize that bringing a new puppy is going to be irritating for that older dog. And the older dog just wants to sort of hang out and sleep, and then they've got the puppy jumping all over it. So space is the most important thing. If you're going to bring a younger dog into an older dog's space, um, or even if they're the same age, giving those, those dogs a little bit of time apart from each other is important. Spending one-on-one -on -one time with each dog is also important, so you don't neglect the older dog for the new dog. And also doing, um, I would say, doing obedience training with both dogs in each other's presence. And it's amazing. If you have a, a, a well-trained older dog, your puppy can learn from that older dog just by watching. Oh, yes. I have actually discovered that because we have a little baby gate in our kitchen and our older dog, the female border collie, walked up to it, hopped right over it and went into the living room. And the puppy sat there and watched and watched and watched and then walked up, ran to the gate and just splat up against it. But she never would have tried it had she not seen the older dog do it. So it is absolutely true. They watch and learn, and I'm hoping they learn some good stuff, maybe not just, you know, trying to escape. But, um, you know, what is what is the best way that you think, Victoria, of course, we're talking to Victoria Stillwell from uh, Animal Planet's hit series, It's Me or the Dog. What do you think is the best approach to potty training? Um, is, is patience, patience, patience. I just got an email from somebody saying, my six-week-old puppy is toileting all over the house, should be house-trained, six weeks old, for goodness sake. It takes, it takes a good, um, I, I would say, six weeks of no accidents in the home, and you know that your puppy's toilet-trained. And really, what, what you need to do is that it's, it's almost like you are dealing with a baby with no diapers on. So you have to be you have to be smart. First of all, you don't allow puppies access to the house just um, you know for them to have accidents all over the home. So you keep them in a safe zone. 
in an area where they can be left alone and toilet if needs be, if they need to, if you have to go out and you can't be home every hour to let them out. But if you are home, you let those puppies outside every single hour. And also, um, you look for times that they're going to need to toilet probably more than others in the morning when they wake up from a nap during the day, just after they've eaten, if they've had vigorous play, if you've just done a training session with them, all of these things will encourage your pup to to eliminate. So um, you just have to be really, really consistent throughout the day. And to realize, general rule of thumb, a puppy can hold it for an hour of every month of age they are. Now, every dog is different. Ooh. So, you, yeah, you're hoping, you're hoping around sort of, if a puppy's eight weeks old, it's going to be able to hold it for two hours, but that's really at rest. Any kind of playtime could could shorten that time. So it just takes a lot of patience and understanding. That works about the same with me, actually. Um, <laughs> Victoria, I have a couple of questions for you. And when, by the way, Jamie, if it gives you any confidence at all, uh, we had my my lifetime dog, little dog named Jake, was probably the one of the ugliest little dogs you've ever seen. But I love that dog, and it, it took us a year to get that dog uh, house trained. But you know, after a year, we finally did. Um, I wanted to ask you two questions. One is, have you run into horse people or horse farms or dogs with issues on horse farms in your show? Uh, you know, we haven't. Um, we haven't really done it. I mean, I used to ride horses a lot when I was little. We used to do horse share because we lived in Wimbledon, which is just on the south of London. It's very expensive to keep a horse, so maybe three families would own one horse. Um, and so, you know, I, I grew up riding and um, doing a competition, and, and we used to have a lot of dogs that would run around the barn where we were, but really on the show we haven't come across anything like that. Well, you know, come on, people, oh. submit your videos. Get on the show with your horse. That's right. <laughs> Right. Well, and I have a follow-up question, and this comes from, you know, being doing training and things on the horse side. So we, we see what happens on that side, and I'm sure the dog side is very similar because you're dealing with people. It, in five minutes of walking into a house, can you tell whether the people are going to be receptive and they're actually going to listen to what you have to say, or do they surprise you sometimes and they're not what you initially thought? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a whole mixture. Um, pretty much I can tell if these people are going to work at it. Um, and, uh, you know, and also I can tell very quickly what kind of relationship they have with their dog just by how much their dog looks at them. If I go into a house and the dog doesn't look at the owner at all, I know something's up. If they look at the owner too much, then, you know, is this a good sign or is it because the dog's just very needy? Um, I, I like to sort of have a happy medium where the dog will listen um, but the dog doesn't always need to be by the owner's side. So, so yeah, I can tell a lot when I go into a home. Oh, I would yeah, imagine. I would imagine. <laughs> now, Victoria, this is what is the most common, and if you could call it universal, naughtiness, human, human-caused issue that you have to keep repairing? Because you've seen a lot of families with a lot of issues. Um, yeah. Is there is there sort of a common theme throughout that you go, uh, hello, people, you need to just wake up here? Yeah, yeah. You know, I think it's the inconsistency. So it's normally between couples about one will allow the dog up on the sofa, but the other one will tell the dog off if the dog is on the sofa. One will allow the dog to jump up, but then the other will tell the dogs to, to not jump up. 
and we'll tell them off if they do. Or they allow the dogs to jump up on themselves, but then they tell them off when the dogs jump up on guests. It's all really confusing. And I think that's the inconsistency. I mean, dogs have a hell of a time anyway trying to adjust to our domestic living anyway. But to, to add inconsistency in that, and we're very inconsistent as human beings, it, that can really, really confuse situations. So I would say that the inconsistency, and also there's one that will be slightly softer and allow the dog to get away with behaviors or feeding it from the table, and then the other one doesn't. You know, So I think consistency is key. Just, just like that doesn't, yeah, that doesn't sound familiar at all, Victoria. I mean, you're speaking great to me and my husband. We're dying. <laughs> We're dying here because that's the way they are. Jamie and Chad are that way. They're going to have so many issues when dealing with these two puppies. We just laugh. <laughs> oh, my that. gosh. I mean, it's normal. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it is. You just have different personalities raising different dogs. But I'm, I'm, I'm so interested listening to you talk because uh, and so much of the way that you're talking about the dogs is exactly how you train the horses. I mean, it's consistency. It is, you know, everybody being on the same page at the same time and, and doing the same things over and over and over again, repetition and patience. And it's so connected. Now, Victoria, it has just been awesome having you on Horses in the Morning. We have to let you go because you you are out of time, uh, but I could certainly talk to you for, you know, the rest of the show and get your get your uh, aspect on, on dogs and opinion on dogs uh, for the rest of the hour. So we do appreciate And, of course, you've got a couple books you can read. Uh, it's Me or the Dog, How to Have the Perfect Pet, and Fat Dog Slim, How to Have a Healthy, Happy Pet. And uh, thank you so much for the work you've done with the, all the shelters that uh, you do to uh, improve the adoptability of dogs. We're, we're huge fans of that. So thank you, Victoria. Thank you. you have a wonderful week. <laughs> well, before we move on, the PhD equine nutritionist at Purina Animal Nutrition tackle problems using science and their love of horses keeps them at it until they get it right. Even with the most established feeds, they keep innovating. Even when it takes years of research, they don't stop until it's right. They're dedicated to the scientific method, but can't capture the feeling of seeing a horse reach their full potential. It takes science and love to help your horses live their best life. Put their research to the test at horseinnovation.com. Well, our next guest, uh, she was on the cruise that we took here, uh, the Horse Lovers Cruise, uh, with with her husband, and we had fun there, but she's also a course designer, right? Yes, she is. Uh, Let's get her on the line. Hello. Hey, Mogi, it's Jamie and Glenn. How are you? Hi. Thank you. I'm great. Great. Thank you so much for coming on with us. Uh, We appreciate it. Always happy to be on Horses in the Morning with my two favorite people. Oh, my gosh. Where in the world are you right now? I'm in Aiken, South Carolina. Oh, that doesn't suck. That does yeah. not suck. <laughs> it is not too bad. <laughs> now, you have quite the resume. You're a course designer. You're a level three, I believe, in the instructor. You are a three-star rider. You've been in eventing forever and ever and ever. It seems like you were born in it. Um, tell us anything else that we need to know about you before I start talking about cross-country courses. I think that's probably, I, I think you've, uh, yeah, trainer and coach um, and of young horses and yeah, yeah. And, uh, and she's good and at drinking Ab- by the pool. I can throw that in there too. Uh, she's an inventor. We were born <laughs> to do that. 
We are yeah, born to do that. We're pretty good on that. It, it, on the cruise. Yep. Now, did I see that you recently got a new horse? I did. I did. I got a three-year-old off the, tr- well, sort of off the track. She had just trained um, on a private uh, training facility. So she was never actually on the quote unquote, the racetrack, but a lovely, lovely mare. I've lunged her a couple of times, uh, but I sort of needed to get her shoes sorted out so that she would be as comfortable as possible. And I'm just sort of waiting for uh, a good day to sort of get back started with her. How um, exciting. And just giving her time. Yeah, she's she's such a lovely soul. And what a just, uh, she's a beautiful mover. And uh, but her personality is is a plus, especially for a three year old. Congratulations. So um, what we were going to talk about today is, you know, like I've got this 20 acre piece of property, which is amazing. And um, and I know that you've designed cross country courses for, you know, places all over the all over the country and world. Um, So when you have a piece of property. Drop my 20 acres. Forget about that. Like you have, you yep. know, like a Kentucky horse park size piece of property and you, lo- yep. how, where do you start? <laughs> that's a, that's a, that's the big question. So part of being a course designer, usually we're uh, part of uh, coming up with sort of the infrastructure, like say you have just a blank piece of property and there were cornfields on it. And now you're trying to figure out, okay, where do we, where do we put our cross country course? Well, sort of just, you have to back up a little bit and figure out where you're going to have the barn, where's going to be the trailer parking, um, all of, all of these things so that there can be an, a natural flow for people when they're on your property, um, whether it's for a show or for a schooling facility. Uh, Those are some of the first things you have to come up with. So once you figure out sort of where your barn is, where your arenas are going to be, and then you sort of look at the ground. And one of the things that on the East Coast that I found is that a lot of pieces of property have cleared ground and then they also have woods. Um, and so maybe they have some trails or some cleared, uh, lightly cleared areas in the woods. One big, big thing when you're designing or coming up with where you're going to start is you always want to start out in the open. You want to start maybe heading towards the trailer parking or towards a barn as opposed to away from the trailer parking or away from the barn or also the other worst one is heading straight into the woods to start off with because you always want to make it inviting. You want those horses to go forward first and give them a good experience. Where were you when I was learning to event? Oh my God. It was always like (laughs) right there at the starting and then you'd leave and half the horses are like, I'm not going out there. I mean, or making the water go away, you know, and here you are trying to bring up young horses. So that's exciting to hear you say that. Where the hell have you been? Cause I mean, I've ridden on all the other ones. (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) 
So, but, uh, but I, I do think that hopefully a lot of the new up and coming course designers, um, are, are taking this into account now. And yeah. honestly, on some pieces of property, it's, it's, it, it, it's, it's sort of impossible, you know, because, the way that they were, or um, uh, the way the infrastructure was put down. Um, so, so y- there's never the perfect piece, but there's always you just got to think about these things in the back of your mind and what's going to get these horses forward first. So, that's, didn't mean to interrupt you. So, do you look at like an mm-hmm. overview of the the land? Do you walk it? Do you drive it? How do you kind of get a feel of where things can go? Yeah, so the overview doesn't work very well because you don't get an idea of of grade or of of terrain. Um, so I like to get on the piece of ground and then to be able to look around and um, and then I walk it and I see where the little nuances are with with the slope. And uh, because it's hard to set fences on the side of a of, of a slope, um, you you usually can either go up or you can go down. But it's really hard uh, going across that slope. Um, so usually, you know, you want to try to head out going a little bit uphill, um, not up a steep hill, of course, uh, but but up a slight a slight slope. So that you can be sending the horse forward as opposed to worrying about the horse going too fast and trying to ride the brakes to the first or second fence. Mm -hmm. Um, But, 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 but so getting that look and then, and then if you're lucky enough uh, to be able to um, have the, the backing to be able to put in some mounds and, and, and another water and things like that. And so looking, trying to, Think about where those features are going to be and where you're going to put those so that the spectators, when we can have spectators back um, after COVID, but, but where's the best place to be able to, for those spectators to be able to see these feature fences that hopefully sponsors are going to put their names behind. Um, and then, and then being able to connect those, but not too closely together so that you have some let up fences, you have some gallop fences in between those features, the, the mounds, or I call them little skateboard parks, uh, and the waters and maybe some sunken roads, some, some, um, uh, banks, uh, combinations and, and so on. That sounds so exciting. But like when you get hired to do one, is that, is it like a, Oh my God, I'm so excited. Or is it like a, Oh, here we go. No, you know what, honestly, uh, to be able to, uh, go to a new piece of property and look at it. And I, I find that really exciting. Um, especially if there's some backing and that they are looking to do, um, either unrecognized and recognized, um, courses that I think is the best because then you can play around a lot with, uh, for the lower level horses, as well as the more experienced upper level horses, uh, like at stable view, uh, we're, we're just building a brand new, um, some mounds on, on the eventing Academy area, which is their, uh, lower level, which is their unrecognized area. 
So we have this huge mound complex that, that we just uh, put in the ground two days ago. And just seeing that from being this side slope that was so hard to set jumps on, and we, we moved, oh, I don't know how many hundreds and thousands of tons of dirt over there. And it's going to be so much fun. for. So I designed it so the young horses can have some footwork questions. And the, and the um, intermediate and the advanced horses are going to have some pretty hard complexes over there. But it's all within the same uh, mound. It's It's... It, it's so much fun. I, I find this uh, stuff thrilling. <laughs> well, Mogi, I wanted to ask you, you recently, and this wasn't too long ago, up at Tryon, where we had the World Equestrian Games, they yeah. had the Mars Tryon three-day event. And one of the things you have to think about as a course designer is water. You, you have to be looking at where water flows and if it's flooding because they still ride. And you did have that challenge. It It just poured before that event, didn't it? Boy, did we have that challenge. Yes. So we got uh, close to 12 inches of water overnight. Um, actually, it was eight inches of water in Tryon itself, but it was 12 inches of water up in, up in Asheville. Mm. And all of that water came down the, the creek that runs through, uh, runs through the cross-country course. Uh, down down on the bottom at at Tryon and and the water rose and rose and it literally it flooded a good I don't know forty percent of the cross country course was underwater and um, w- w- somehow we managed to get all of that water off with massive pumps pumping out the lakes. Uh, but but the funniest story with that whole thing, so we were looking from um, so so the the four star long had to cross uh, a a road and we're standing on the road and and the course went around it was a brand new part of the course that wasn't on at Wag that went around this new lake and I was we were standing on on the road and this is the morning after it rained. And I was looking out there and I'm, and, and there was a coffin complex at the end of the lake and it was built. The ditch was built in the drain area for, for the lake to go out to the river. Well, what had happened was because the river rose so much, it acted as a funnel bringing the water into the lake from the river. And I looked out and I said, what are those two big sticks sticking up out of the ground at the, at the end of the, at the lake? And I looked closer and I said, that's the ditch. The ditch literally, it was secured on one side with a, with a drain that went out to the river. But the other side of the ditch literally was 10 feet in the air sticking straight up like two <laughs> chopsticks. Uh, I, I, we did, I didn't, I've never seen that before. I'm like, oh my gosh, what are we going to do? We drove around and sure enough, this thing sticking straight up in the air. So we had to drain the lake out to the river in order to even be able to start working on replacing this ditch 
down into the ground. Oh, the, <laughs> it was it, it was it was unreal. But but all the horses went through that coffin complex on on the day. We we did have to delay the cross country one day to be able to uh, get everything done. But amazingly, all the crews uh, got uh, did did an amazing job getting the footing back where it should be. You and, you know uh, what? You say it so calm, like it was just okay. <laughs> and I know you were freaking out when this happened. So don't don't pretend it's fine. Uh, now, Pokey, if, if somebody else wants to be a Zen cross-country designer, how, where can people go to start to learn about course design? Yeah, you know, um, USEA, uh, the United States Eventing Association um, has has a good educational section on their website about the different um, uh, things that are available. Uh, Cross country course design, being a judge, being a technical delegate. So that's where I would start. Also, with trying to get in touch with a, uh, a a course designer like like myself, I'm starting a mentoring program uh, for the young riders uh, with USCA and inviting them to um, apply to be able to uh, work with me um, designing courses uh, for for. Uh, two or three times coming out and from the ground up having them figure out how how we come up with the distances for for each of the levels on the cross country course and how many jumps you need to have for those distances because there's so many um requirements that you have to meet for every course that's 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 uh on on a recognized uh horse trials um, so, so with, with getting in touch with USCA is, is, I think, I think definitely the place to start and, um, and, or, or people can get in touch with me. I'm, I'm always happy to have somebody hang out with me for a day or two while I'm designing courses. Fantastic. Well, where can people find you then besides a uh, Mogi Beard and Mueller, Mueller on Facebook? Um, sorry, yes, my pet is Dr. And- Mueller, so I keep saying it wrong and it's Mueller, I know. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I just see yeah. it like it's my, my pet. I've mispronounced it every way you can mispronounce it, so she's used to that by now. Well, I, <laughs> yeah, I always but at least say you it get wrong. my first name right, yeah. you know? I mean, that's, that's all that counts, really. But I'm at um, Fox Hill. One zero at gmail.com is my email address. And uh, my website is foxhilleventing.com. Um, and um, I, I'm always looking to uh, talk to people about it and, and, um, and uh, help out anybody with, with either course design or if they're interested in any other aspects of the licensed officials. Uh, within USCA and USCF, I'm always happy to help guide individuals or young or, or young riders um, for looking looking at their future. All right, fantastic, Thanks, Mogi. Mogi. Thank you so much. We appreciated FoxHillEventing.com. You ain't met one by now. You're bound to sooner or later. 
He says one thing and he means another. That's just ridiculous. Hey, he can't help it. I feel like I've kept away something. Well, it's a laissez-faire, let the buyer beware. I'm fired. <laughs> I'm still thinking about it. But they'll low down lie with a sincere stare. Horse trading. Well, if they're talking in circles and the deal ain't square, he's a master in the fine art of persuading. Horse trading. The only thing saving you right now is that money, Robert certification. Otherwise, it'd be over. <laughs> It's time for Really Bad Ads, that time of the week when our listeners submit ads, and we have a little fun with them, just a little fun. Uh, They're either from Facebook or Craigslist, and they're usually about a horse or some farm implement, even a tractor, for sale. Uh, And this is the last one of the year. So we're going to get started with Really Bad Ads this week with one of our terrific listeners. You get double the credit if you submit your own ad, and Kim did that. Hi, this is Kim in SoCal. I found this on my Facebook Pivo for Equestrians Group. Much like the hotly hoof versus hoof debate, some people say Pivo and some people say Pivo. But since the device pivots, like the infamous couch on Friends, I say Pivo. <laughs> anyway, this horse husband post uh, seeking advice came up. Hi, I have no idea about horses, trots, canters, or dressage. I do, however, know about holding a phone Filming this stuff over and over again. Would this pivot thing capture my wife and her daft horse at a 45-foot arena? Question mark, question mark, question mark. I know it's probably been answered already, but the thought of trawling horsey posts is up there with <laughs> filming it. Thanks in advance. Gosh, I wish I could have done that in a British accent. Happy holidays, everybody. I love that guy that posted that. <laughs> <laughs> he is so sick of doing videos of dressage. He is so Oh my god. <laughs> okay, well I'll let you know how it goes because I just got a I got a pivot. Oh, did you? Pivo. Yeah. And was Chad very happy about that? <laughs> uh he uh, you know what? To be honest, he just kind of rolls his eyes because he knows he's gonna be the ones to set it up. So now we yes. have Abby here. So Abby is like, Oh, you have to download this app and you do this and this and so she got it set up and got it working. So I'm gonna pivot myself today. And then you're gonna go to Chad and say, How do I get it off of here? Uh, now what do I do? Yeah. <laughs> It's your own phone. And there's no like, there's no thing that makes it follow you. It just follows you. Oh, so it's not like the other one that, that uh, no. there was another one that actually turns Which and I follows. I have one of those and they need to sell it because I bought it and couldn't use I, I don't know. I never used so it. This so this is basically magic is what you're saying. Yeah, this one's magical. Okay. Um, so anyway, uh, let's see. Lorene has the next one. She sent this one in, and that is Loreen, our New Jersey listener, who sounds like she's from Brooklyn. So young, three-year gated horse. I got it. It takes me a second to get into Loreen. Young, three-year gated horse. A oh God, and it's hard too. A exceptional fox trotters with sixty days professional training. Cash space. Dot, 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 space, dot, serious buyer, space, space, dot, not sold to be written here on my site. Some additional training may be expected. <laughs> All sales final. The horse is really 
very pretty, <laughs> very pretty with movement. Sorry, <laughs> it's not and pretty standing still, but when it moves, it's pretty. It's it's so basically you can't test ride it. No. You, and all sales are final, so just come and get it. And good luck. You're going to need a trainer. And apparently, uh, there were no pictures either, because you know why would you want a picture of a horse? Whoever looks at those. Lorene, I need to, we need to have a phone conversation. I need to get back in this. I, I, I'm, I'm slacking. It's been a while since I've had to do You did pretty good. Thing. I like the dot, dot, dots. Your dot, dot, dots were on point. What, what, what? Yeah, that's on point, on point. <laughs> well, let's hear what Lori sounds like. Lori. I'm not sure how to even explain this. The title is Connie Combs Barrel Saddle, 16 inches, $4,500. That's a lot, considering they don't cost that much new. I just Googled them. But apparently with the saddle, you get a horse because here's the description. Used, good condition, registered six-year-old paint filly comes with saddle. Then there's one photo of the six-year-old filly with dried mud here and there, seriously in need of a farrier and a really pissy look on her face. Not that I blame her. The rider is sort of grabbing at her chest, her own chest, not the horse's, and laughing. I can't decide if what's all over her arm is mud or a tattoo sleeve. And she also looks as if her mouth is either full of mud or she's missing teeth. That's the only Philly photo, excuse me, of the six-year-old Philly and Ryder. Then there's also another photo of the saddle. So I'm confused. Are you buying a horse that comes with a saddle or a saddle that happens to come with a horse? <laughs> Those ding algorithms trying to get around it. She has a, uh, she has a great uh, radio voice. Lori does. She does. Yeah, thanks for sending that in. Uh, Laura sent this one in. ISO forever friend. I'm oh, still gosh. looking for a forever friend. It must be 14.2 plus hands. Let me stop you. Let me stop you. Yeah. If it is a title that says ISO forever friend, do, do you know what you have to do? I can't do that. You have to do it as a millennial or a teenager. Uh, I can't do teenager. I've been a long way from teenager. You want to do it as a teenager? You can't do a teenager. I can't do a teenager. I can't, I can't do a teenager. I don't even. You do it so well, but I can't even. I can't even. My mind doesn't even go there. I can't. Okay. Well, you have to do. It's the, been a the long next time week. since teenager. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's been a long time since I was a teenager, but I just. I talked yeah, but to you have them around. I don't even have them yeah, around. Exactly. <laughs> That's probably for the best. You do the next one, then I'll do this one. Okay. Like I am so forever friend. I am like still looking for a forever friend must be 14 to plus hands and be able to like do barrels. And if it can do jumping too, T.O. is a plus. No grays or thoroughbreds, please. <laughs> I can only do payments. So like, don't waste my time or like my gas money for me to come look at a horse. If oh you're going to back out and like end up keeping her <laughs> must haves ages four to nine must neck rain be an easy keeper broke Healthy, sound, like no maintenance, must be within one hour and 30 minutes from San Diego. <laughs> I mean, come on, of course it's San Diego. Must have great coloring, because like I want to stand out in a crowd, especially if oh I'm in a God. horse show. <laughs> and like it also has to be like under $2,500. Of course it does. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> of course it does. And if it's, it's a gray thoroughbred, you know, you would stand out in the crowd with a gray thoroughbred, but mm, no, but then yeah. no, but no, she doesn't want any no, of those. No gray thoroughbred. So let me get this straight. It needs to be trained on barrels, jumping, be between four and nine, neck rain, easy keeper, really well trained, no health issues, and an hour from you, and must be uniquely colored, and you only have $2,500. In California. (laughs) Oh, my God, Laura. This is, like, such a good ad. Oh, no, you forgot the most important thing. She can only do payments. She's not even going to pay the whole $2,500. Um. Obviously, I'm not going to give you $2,500 like up front because like who has that kind of money? I mean, I don't listen. I work at the restaurant on the weekends as a hostess and I make $35 every night, whether or not I get tipped out or not. It's like none of your business, but like I do that and then I go home so I can give you like, I'm not going to give you all of it because like I still need gas money and food. So I can give you like $20 every Friday for like the whole that's $2,500 and below. <laughs> and I don't know how long it's going to take me because I don't do math all that well, but like, whatever, <laughs> it's not my problem. You figure it out and don't waste my time. <laughs> now, aren't you glad you did that one? I'm glad you did that one, actually. <laughs> I'm cleansed right now. This is great. <laughs> Does Abby sound like that, by the way? No, of course not. <laughs> but I do learn a lot of like, I've, I've saved things in my phone that she says that that are confusing to me. And so I've, I've saved them. So like <laughs> if, if there's a guy that likes her or she likes, you do you know how you used to give guys your phone numbers or girls, your phone numbers or things like that. Do you know what they say to each other? No. Hit me up on Insta. So they use Instagram for that now. Hit me up on Insta is like, the equivalent of, hey, can I have your phone number? Um, or now she's waiting tables and she's waiting tables at like the cool part, the coolest bar in Norman. And remember, Abby is like drop dead gorgeous. And so do you know that her and this other person, they count the tallies of how many people write their Snapchat names on the bills? <laughs> Isn't she like, is she 18 yet? Yeah, she's 18. Okay. Snap me. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't find all the notes. I've been taking notes of all the things that she says because I just, I'm I, I'm like, could you repeat that? Oh, oh, this is, okay. Apparently, dap and dab are two different things. I did hear this one because we have, you know, what those, those uh, fizzy drinks that are clear, you know, they, yeah, the yeah. soda water things. And she'll be like, ain't no law when you're drinking the claw. And I was like, I'm sorry. What did you say? <laughs> Apparently underage drinkers like white claw. And that's what they say when they even want a white claw. Ain't no law when you're drinking the claw. We've yeah, come I'm a like, long way. We used to drink Boone's farm because it was $2 a bottle. Uh, yeah, yeah. Obvious. Obviously. <laughs> and uh, there's all sorts of words that are different that I just, I, uh, but, but the thing is like, it, it not only like hit me on Insta, let me add you on Snap. I would understand nothing of what they're saying. I don't understand. That's why I write it down. I'm like, <laughs> what does that mean? Let me add you on Snap. She's like, that means he wants my Snapchat address. And then so he can look at my Snap and send me Snapchats. I'm like, that's the one that disappears, right? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, you know, they're going to send you wiener pictures, right? <laughs> like, 
I, uh, without a doubt, she's like, well, you can screenshot it, but then they know that you've screenshotted it. So like, it's awkward if you screenshot somebody's Snapchat, because then they oh, know that you have it. And then they're like going to come after you. I'm like, well, maybe they shouldn't send wiener pictures. <laughs> God, I'm so confused. It's so hard to be a teenager nowadays. <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm already frustrated with like, did they message me on my email or they text you me or I, did they send me Facebook message? When we were doing this, they had to Snapchat call our home phone that our parents would answer. Oh my God. Don't get me started on TikTok. Yeah. I'm like, Abby, I used to have to stand next to the wall yeah. and talk. And did you know that one of your parents could pick up the phone quietly in, in the, the other bedroom. room and listen to your <laughs> yes. conversation? Yes. God, I'm not that old. Which is only the only reason they put an extension in the bedroom was so they could listen to your conversations. That's the only you know reason. Yeah. Phone company, can you go ahead and put one of those little jacks in here? And it was a jack and yep. you had to plug it into the wall. Yep. And that was how. And you rented the phone. You didn't buy phones then you rented the phone from the phone company because you couldn't buy uh, a phone <laughs> yeah girls are me then because we we bought our phones we yeah. owned them outright oh we, we did have some rented handheld ones yeah. like the portable phones once you could get a portable phone oh, that like, was heaven i'm so famous and rich i can walk <laughs> but don't leave six feet from the base but yeah we had one, one of those with the 80 foot cords that you could take from the kitchen into the living room <laughs> <laughs> and it never never said anyway we're too old for this let's yeah but that was it when you're when the date when you were called by the guy your mother answered <laughs> was, yeah, and you know what i mean like i mean i remember getting answer machines and being like oh my god it's so freeing because you had to when the phone would ring you had to run. You had to run to meet your dad. <laughs> yeah. You're like, hey, Jamie, it's your dad. Oh, <laughs> what? <laughs> All right, Betty sent the next one in. This is the horse trailer of the week. And once again, it, it, the horse trailers just keep on giving. This one's in Colorado, Pueblo. Uh, 1973, two-horse trailer, way over our allowed of, amount of $400. This one's $650. Now, it's a 1973 two-horse trailer. It has new lights on it. There's also, the tires are also in excellent condition. Six, are they? Well, I don't know. they hold air, apparently. <laughs> $650 or best offer. If anyone has questions, please call or text. I have a, I have some questions. First of all, orange seems to be the color on this one. It might be the first orange one we've had. It is a convertible, so it has the roof structure without the roof, but it does have the structure. Now, I can see Scooter sticking his head through there and getting caught, like the oh, halter caught. Hanging out of it. This is a tetanus, hepatitis, <laughs> death trap. And it, the orange, is, and it has an orange stripe. It looks like they tried to make it cool at one point. It is a chariot style, so it does have the open top. It has the front that kind of is chariot style, and you would not want to put a horse in it. But it has new lights, Jamie. The lights work. That makes it six fifty right there. It does. Um. Ariana sent the next one in, or Ariane, Ariane sent this one in. Hey, Jamie and Glenn, this is Ariane from the coast of Oregon. Um, I was going to send this ad to you so that you could read it, but honestly, I'm wanting to try out my southern accent. Oh, go for it. Here we go. This is from Cheap and Free Horses in Oregon. I really thought I found a good horse here, but I didn't. Unfortunately, Stud Muffin has to leave. The people I got him from said he was good on fence, but he's not. He pushes it and all unless it's hot. He has good ground manners and has been saddled, and that's as far as I've gotten. He is okay around mares in hand. He stands tight, etc. He will throw good babies or be a good gelding. Intent. PM for more information. 800 Smiley Face. Thanks for looking. 
And there's a picture of a very ordinary, nondescript bay horse. (laughs) So, geld that isht. Bye, guys. She said it Thank for you. You, you, you said were waiting. Everything. <laughs> you said everything I needed to say. If you are selling a stud for $800, you need to be selling a gelding for like $950. However much. Just add the price of castration and put it on there. And Just you can get castrate. you can get Geldat Isht uh, merchandise by going to horseradionetwork.com slash gifts and you'll find a link to, to buy all of that merchandise. You can have it on your mask. I don't know if anybody bought a Geldat-ished mask yet. Uh, Kelly sent the following one in. That means nobody sent me one for Christmas, and I'm starting to get pissed. (laughs) Somebody please send her a mask for Christmas. Uh, (laughs) uh, This one is from Kelly. She says, oh, it says, well, this is odd. It says, Spain, she's Andalusian horse, $20,000 in Mira Loma. I don't know where that is. California. She, she is qualified for breeding. She has her green card. She has her papers. Yep. I'm going to need a little more information if you want $20,000. Yeah. Well, it does kind of look like, you know, the way this picture is photographed and the filters it's used, it looks like a Briar model standing there, actually. Yeah. Now, tell everybody, now, this is an Andalusian horse. It does look like an Andalusian, but tell them what's in the background. Okay, so you know that when you're sitting at a, the the railroad crossing yes. and there's those boxes on the backs of the railroad, yes. you know that are being tugged along. Well, take those off the train and put them on the ground and leave them there for about a hundred years. Yeah, there's some and very rusty boxcars in the back. Rusted out <laughs> boxcars, thank you. With the, I mean, apparently they're houses and they're, there's well, are stalls. Yeah, and there's a cutout where doors are. (laughs) They're not tornado proof. That is a that is a myth. (laughs) But it's and they're all rusted out, and like this horse is standing in the dirt, and clearly somebody's like shaking a whip at it. Oh, because you can see the shadow of the whip (laughs) and the person holding the line. Oh, bless his heart. It's it's not a picture. I would have picked a better background for a horse you're trying to sell for twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, no, it's yeah, yeah, not well chosen background for that. Does not make it look like. Like this horse is coming from an exclusive property worth twenty thousand dollars. No, no, no. You know what? I have an Andalusian. I'll take forty for they him. It looks like they stole it, and uh, yeah. they're trying to sell it for twenty thousand dollars. Exactly. Uh, the next one came from Sam. Sam sent the next one in. Perfect guy's horse. This is in Phoenix. Mia is the sweetest and most broke horse you will ever ride. Can I just, I have to say it, broke is the worst word. It makes me just cringe when people say, is he broke? Get him broke. Mia is the sweetest and most broke horse you will ever ride. Mia is 14.2 hands and 18 years old. Mia was shown as a cutting horse. Mia is very broke. (laughs) Mia works the cattle very well. Mia is a quad dog firecrackers and Mythbusters don't try this at home safe. <laughs> I love they got Mi- a Mythbusters reference in there. <laughs> Mia will happily stand by while your son, nephew, or husband does what boys do. Again, Mia is a unicorn. But let's keep, let's keep that between us. 
But let's keep that between us, you know, because they're boys and boys don't want unicorns. Mia will be delivered to your place on Christmas morning via my badass all-guy giant rig-wearing suitably redneck, slightly worn-on nylon halter and groomed to an acceptable level level without the use of scented grooming products. (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't catch the horse's name. (laughs) No, I don't know. I have no idea. I didn't catch it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Thank you, Sam. <laughs> Terry sent this one in. This is in Molten City, which I don't know where that is either. Seven-year-old mare pony, $175. I love a good mare pony. Mare pony. Super cute seven-year-old mare pony. She's around 42 inches. She is not broke to ride, can be hard to catch. She is skittish until she warms up. White with some light brown spots. Would this make, is Alabama. By would the way. make a good Christmas present for a little girl. Oh, no, she would not. (laughs) Let me review. She's hard to catch. She's skittish and she's not broke, but she would make a great Christmas present for a little girl. Hey, Ryder, but go ahead and put her under the tree. Except she's going to be scared. And the little girl will be in the hospital by New Year's Eve. You know what? If you don't love your little girl, by the way, uh, Molten City is in Alabama, Glenn. I I thought that sounded like a place in like New. uh, I was picturing like North Dakota, Molten City. Uh, well, I Googled Mo- Molten City, and there's a Molten City, Alabama, a Molten City, Texas, a Molten City, yep, it's Alabama. Be one up north, north someplace. It just sounds like a place up north. But yeah, don't buy this for your little girl, please. Please. Yeah. Please, Not God, good. don't do that. All right. And uh, let's see the last one of the year. Are you ready? Oh, Ida. Princess Merida, the Christmas pony. Oh, my God. There's a lot of Christmas ponies today. Princess Merida, the Christmas pony, $900. Princess Merida is a beautiful pony with amazing long red hair. She loves kids and will eat all kinds of treats. Apples, carrots, store-bought treats, and homemade ones, too. Merida comes with a beautiful new halter and bias choice and colors and a matching lead. Special delivery available, which will have her arriving pre-groomed on Christmas Eve with sparkles in her hair and hooves <laughs> for an additional fee. <laughs> Very well done. That was very well done. Thank You're you. all on your voices today. So, so what is it with Christmas ponies this year? It's a new marketing thing. Everybody's figured out, hey, if I say it's for Christmas, they'll buy it. Here's the problem. Okay, so like, let's say that the, the other horse that would have been delivered during Christmas was, you know, an uh, old kind of cutting horse, and they deliver it on Christmas morning, and this one is a Christmas pony. But literally, they said nothing aside. She loves kids and will eat treats. I know. <laughs> like, every horse I know will eat treats. Everyone. But her name is Princess it's, Merida. And you know they made that name up just for this ad. It, this, this, this pony's name was not Merida. His <laughs> name is Demon. Yeah. <laughs> good. All right, good. So, hey, everybody, have a terrific weekend before Christmas. And we will see you Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Jamie and I both. Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday of next week. And then we're going to go into some pre-recorded shows till the new year like we do every year. Uh, but uh, have a terrific weekend. All right. Spade to everybody. <laughs>